I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. Hi everybody, my name is Ron. I hang around in the church from time to time and get into people's faces. And it's just lovely to be with you at this Christmas season as we commence. Father Christmas, I said it, I heard, is supposed to be arriving, but we're going to have none of that on the platform today. And I think some smart person said, well, let's have an older man anyway. <laughs> little ruddy face, a little bit more stout than these skinny blokes that get up here. And something of a white beard, looking around, Bill wasn't going to do. And it was pretty hard to find a guy with a white beard around the place, so here I am with you, and it's just absolutely a delight. It really is. Um, before we uh, get into the word here, do you know we have a 60th wedding anniversary in the midst today? Ah. Would they like to stand up? Would they like to stand up? All of those people are having it. We're going to do one hooray, all right? I'm going to say hibip, and you're going to say one hooray. You ready? You ready? Hibip! Hooray! Now, they're going to get the second hooray when they come back for 70 years. Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> Esther and I are quite pathetic. We've only been married 50 years this next January. We're trying to catch up, but it never seems to work. Uh, and so if you're having a 60th wedding anniversary today and we've completely ignored, ignored you, our apologies, we'll give you a hip hip next week, all right? So it's our Christmas season and uh, we are into this series, this, this being our first week with uh, God faithful in all seasons. And I'm, I'm particularly really thrilled that I can speak with you today about this because I do pick up that it's been a difficult year for many people in the congregation and for leadership. That there's seasons that you've unexpected, that have been a surprise for you that you haven't seen coming. And there's those amongst us that find Christmas a difficult time as they think of relationships that have been broken, where there's been separation, where there's things to regret. And so I'm really thrilled to be able to speak to you today, and speak to your heart and say that God is the faithful one. He is the faithful one in this first week of the series. Next week, as we begin to travel through the Old Testament, it'll be God worthy of our trust of next week, God with us in the waiting, and then Pastor Chi on Christmas Day, God with us. So the scripture reading today, Revelation, last book in the Bible, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. 
And immediately in the very first sentence, you get a message that this is not simply for you to be understood and rationalised. There's something here to be seen. This is given that, you, that it might be shown to you, that you might visualise it. And that's going to be helpful as we find a whole lot of imagery within the book of Revelation. So in a moment, when I read the scriptures to you, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes that that which God has given us might be shown to you. And then in the third verse, it says, Blessed is the one who reads, that's me, and blessed are those who hear it. So to hear it means... It's going to be read to us, but it won't be on the screen. For our eyes will be closed, there's something for us to be shown to us, and there's something for us to hear. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written. So as we hear the text today, as we hear the word of the Lord, uh, let's close our eyes. Let's be at rest. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow living colors resembling an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne and seated on them were 24 elders. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, rumblings, peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, and this the sevenfold Spirit of God. Also in front and behind the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, Lord God Almighty, as we gather together, aware and conscious and positioning ourselves before you, we want to honor you for this moment of engagement with you, whether your heart is open, your eye is toward us. And regardless of who we are or how we come in this season, we can be open to you. We invoke your Holy Spirit, for you alone know what is in the hearts of each one of us. You alone know how to come to each of us in a way that's appropriate to us. 
And we invite you together to minister, even in the recesses and the back and each of the pews, each of these seats, you and our family, and come. Do what your heart just explodes with desire to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can say amen. You can, you can say amen. So uh, John the Apostle is on the Isle of uh, Patmos. He's exiled there. He's been sailed over there on a little sea, a sailing boat with all of the convicts, the astrologers and the magicians from Ephesus. Domitian, the Roman emperor, has declared himself God like few other Roman emperors did and built himself a temple at Ephesus where he required that people make sacrifice to him. And of course, this was going to be obnoxious to John the Apostle. He finds himself in trouble and he gets sailed out to get out of the way and stop disturbing things over in Patmos. He's an older man now. He doesn't move as quickly as what he used to. He creaks a little bit. There is traditionally a cave in which he is said to live, and maybe a couple of you have been to that. It's cold at night time. And as John begins to reflect upon his lifetime from that first time that he was there with the fishing boat and he was called by, called by Jesus, appointed, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and went out, his mind went back to all sorts of things. He was charged with the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, of course, and tradition has it that they... He took her to Ephesus and there cared for her till her last breath, the mother of Jesus. And he could recall all of the companions, the ones that he, that he travelled with, ate with, slept with, each one of them, the one that was beheaded, the one that was crucified upside down, the one that was surrounded by spears, the one that was stabbed, the one that was stoned and then clubbed to death. And tradition has it that Matthias was burned alive. And he, the solitary last. And there on Patmos, he could think about the churches in Asia Minor that we would call Turkey today, Ephesus itself. He says it's lost his first love. Cheryl. No longer are they counting the hours, anticipating the time when they can meet again with their beloved and be there with him, the Lord. In two of the churches, they have teachers there thoroughly accepted that are leading, leading the churches into sexual immorality. The church that is alive is actually quite dead. And then there's the church that is rich, having everything they want, can buy anything they need without actually knowing that that church is wretched with an itch that they can never satisfy and always having to get and buy and accumulate something more. In poverty, poor. Poor because they never had enough to give away to anybody else. They were blind to the needs of others. And they were naked to everybody else except themselves. And then Laodicea, like lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, they didn't have the, the strength and the courage to walk away from the faith but then didn't have the strength or the courage to enter into it with everything that God wanted to do with them and just sat like blah in the middle, fearful to do anything but just to go through the motions. And this is the church. Him exiled. Every possibility of deep grief to raise within him and wondering of what sort of fear 
He should be having as the last of the apostles. And what does his effort come to as he poured his life into this, the church, and this is what they end up with? He has every reason to be despairing, every reason to be disappointed, every reason to say, I've thrown my life into this, and is this what it is? What now are the things that he wrote in John's Gospel of the high and elevated things of how God could be trusted and how he was wonderful, how is it working out for him now in this season? And that could be thoughts that we have. Things that we've lost, things that aren't as we should be. Where are the great promises? Here, where no one really understands what it is to be me. Now, John is very familiar, of course, being apostle with the ways in which you find a way ahead. Everybody does it. And it's like from the Old Testament through to the New. Firstly, you have the five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Here's the law. Here's what is written. Go do it. That's the way ahead. Then there come the history books. This is what God has done in the past. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. And you hear a lot about that in the songs that we sing. And then comes the wisdom literature. Here are good, simple ways in which you can go about living a better life in the context in which you are. And you hear a lot about that from the platform. And then comes the prophetic books of those that have, uh, referencing those that have perspicacity. Wayne, that's the word I I wanted to use for you today. Perspicacity. (laughs) Inside, okay? Thank you. Robin taught me that word. (laughs) Those that particularly have an ability to see beyond the obvious, and we understand that the leaders of the church gathered with somebody and referenced somebody that could see perhaps beyond the the obvious where they gathered together. Then you go in the New Testament, the example of Jesus. And the other way forward that we have is the Acts and the the rest of the letters where you have an inspirited life and to have this spirit within you is to find a way ahead. John is familiar with all of these ways and they're all relevant, they're all used and you'll hear each one exercised as people who seek to encourage you to find a way out of your situation and what you're experiencing. But God has a new thing for John that's never happened before. A new way ahead. A new way of looking ahead, a new perspective. And it's so marvellous that when John, when he's in this situation of need, where he can have every grief and every despair and wonder what his life come to and what was the point of it? Have I wasted it all? That God comes into him and to that moment begins to show him something that has never been before. God can come into you in your moment where you are. Where you know everything is not together, but he can do something there that's never been done before. And a loud voice comes from heaven in chapter 4 and it says, come up here and I will show you. Come up here and I will show you. So that's not looking at our five senses in a sense of mindfulness. It's not shuffling through the park, seeking to be attentive to the breeze. No, it's bigger than that. It's not looking at the bat, at what's gone before. It's not looking what's gone ahead. It's not looking around. It's not seeking the counsel of people. It's a whole new thing. Come up here and, and I will show you. And John is beckoned up to a perspective where he looks down, not even up, as what perhaps we've been doing during this last song. So as we see, to enter into what John's gone, let's 
move up there together now, all right? So let's move out of our preoccupation with ourselves and what's been happening during the week and what's happening after the service. Let's just zoom out a little bit. And there's our family and there's our home, there's our car, there's our career. Let's just zoom out a little bit more. Yeah, and there's the place that we see on Google Maps or where we live in southeast of uh, Melbourne and let's zoom out a little bit more and there's another map that's Australia and southeast of Asia and let's zoom out a little bit more and there's the whole planet. Let's come out again. There's the chaotic circling of the solar system. Let's zoom out. Come up here, I'll show you. And there's the little blue dot of the Earth just disappearing in the distance and there's, there's the star on the side of our own galaxy. Come up here. Zoom back. Zoom back. Zoom back. Come with me. Zoom back. And there it is. All of the galaxies. And there where time begins. Space, mass, movement, being. And now, way back. Come up and I will show you. And there is where all creation, time, space, being, mass finishes. All about that long in the magnificence of what is before and after there is all created time and space and what does John see from coming up here looking back with a new perspective he sees a sea vast endless See, he sees it as crystal. There's no sediment in it. There's no plant life thrown around as if there's been any turbulence. It's crystal. What you see on the surface is what is under, underneath that. 15 chapter 2 says it's like a mirror. It's just, the sea is just so flat. And why is the, why a sea? And there in the middle of it is a throne. And one is on the throne and the sea is endless, crystal, flat because the one on the throne is not pacing up and down worried about what's going to happen. Not anxious, churned up, biting the fingernails, tearing the hair out. I wonder how I'm going to be able to cope. Perhaps in church if they sing loud enough I might be able to get over this. No. All is calm. And John hears the word that the Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, regardless of what force or what power or what tide or what invention, or what generation, or what governmental system, or whatever is happening on, the Lord is peacefully, absolutely in command. And regardless of what power that we would deny, or not see, or not recognize, that stirs up hatred and bloodshed again and again from generation to generation and generation. 
where people even say it's in the name of the Lord, he's in charge of the Lord of hosts. Heaven and earth. And regardless of what is happening with John in his season, the Lord is competent, complete, absolute, peacefully in command. And that's how it is for you in your season. Is it your mark? So what else does John see? Let's come up. Come up and I'll show you. And here he sees this way back where time starts and time finishes. He sees that God is the one that was before anything. That God is the one who doesn't come into existence. The one who always was before there was anything. In the beginning, he's already there creating. And that God is the one after all things. He doesn't die. He doesn't grow old. He doesn't stop to exist. From up he sees that God is the one who was before anything, who is to come after everything. Simultaneously, timelessly, yet amazingly, the one who is before everything and after everything is the one who was, is to come, and is here. Now in the season, in the room. The one that was, is. The one that is to come, is. And in Revelation chapter 4, you have that which we don't understand. They see it, and they comprehend it, and they worship. They just worship. And that's what happens when God, by his spirit, begins to show you how he actually is. You begin to worship. Now, praise is when we sing about what God has done, but worship is about who he is. They behold who he is. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You want to say that with me? Blessed be the Lord God. Say it with me. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, what are we doing when we come into church? We uh, call them services these days. So I guess you get service. A bit of an oil change and lube and lubing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Get out, go out better for that. We used to call them worship services because they weren't really about us. They were about what the Lord was. Don't call them worship services anymore. So what are we doing? These uh, uh, good-looking, enchanting ladies on the platform that gather behind us and these uh, uh, masculine, delightful men. What are you looking at, Charles? I just called your wife a delightful, good-looking woman. <laughs> well, you can't say no to that now, can you? <laughs> so what are we doing here? Are we having a cheap version of a Taylor Swift concert, are we? You don't want to go that and listen to those lyrics sung over you? Well, the place uh, by the service itself, you know that the biggest thing is the address, right? 
so what is this, the lecture hall? And we sort of all roam in and we haven't really missed anything until the lecture starts here. Is that right? Or is it just sort of Muzak in the background? You sort of walk in the shopping mall and there's some Muzak there. You just ignore it. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't mean anything. Or do we have some enthusiastic people on the congregation up there on the platform? They just do their thing and, well, you know, that's who they are. We can cope with that. Or is the music just like a loud, loud uh, music in a pub? You just, uh, well, that goes on. You ignore, ignore it. It doesn't really matter who's there. You just talk over the top of it, don't you? So with your friends. That's what, is it? Is it mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. Now, this is an open place. And, of course, we'll have people come in of all sorts of understandings and stages of life and seasons and whatever. They will roll in and roll out. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. And then there's the time when you have like, teenage, teenagers are about 13 and you go along and you've got to go to their bedroom and say, now it's time to get up. You can't be can, can going to church. You're going to go pull them out. Another five minutes, Mum. Now, come on. And how many of the parents have discovered the time that, you know, the only time in the week when you're trying to bundle three little ones into the car that one of the second shoe can't be found is at that moment, yeah? It's at that moment when you want to get them all into the car at the same time. And the young mums don't want to know what I'm talking about. It's that moment. Now that's life. That happens. But why is the person who is in the foyer having a conversation and at seven minutes to ten says, um... Listen, what you've got to say is, is, is really important. I'd, I'd love to talk with you about that during the week. But it's seven minutes to ten, and I need to go in and prepare for worship. Because they understand that to walk from the door, from the intensity of the week, they need to transition here to the intimacy of being before the Lord God. But now you move from a hellish, bent world sometimes into a place of holiness. That they move from a place of stress into a place that's sacred. Where here we meet face to face with the God who was and is and is to come. They're the ones that understand that while we come in on time, in time, we have access to the timeless which is God himself. And as we stand in worship, not before musicians or not before a person on a platform or not before a guitarist or someone singing enthusiastically, we are beckoned in time to come and respond to that which is timeless because the one who was is here. And he is. And the one who is to come after all things is the God who is. And in that moment, there's an understanding of meeting with timelessness in time. And it's like a thin wall. And it's there. It's right there. And you don't have to wait because what we're knitting in ourselves is this timelessness. Already as Christ had all people bow before his feet, whether they be believers or not. Because he's in timelessness. There's no time shifting of time. It's already happened for him. And we worship the one who has everything under his feet here. And there's dad and there's grandpa and the one that loved the Lord with all of his heart who came to the front perhaps of a service and said, yes, I believe that this is it. 
Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Savior. And I need to acknowledge it publicly. That they're there already with the thousands upon thousands. Already in worship. And we join with them. But the one that was, the one is to come. The one that is here. And then in communion, when we try to get that little piece of foil off the, that little plastic thing, you know what I mean? We finally get, I'll give it to someone else, would you do that for me? We get it off and the little thing inside's all broken up. And, we, and, and there, we know that we're communing, not just with one another here, but we're gathered in timelessness at the great feast of the Lamb. The final bridal feast. Where all is accomplished. And it's already done. Because we in time meet with that which is timeless. And there's healing in that presence when we present ourselves as such. And we understand that. Because there's no sickness in timeless heaven. And as we begin to filter ourselves with it, our mind becomes clearer of all the gunk and stuff that has happened to us now. Our history incrementally begins to be, be healed as we come into that place of the one who was and is and is to come. And there in communion, as we learn not to look beyond the emblems and the order of the service, that we begin to commune with the, the one that was and is to overcome. There's healing in that presence. And incrementally in our body, healing begins to take place. And that's why the Apostle Paul says... You don't take communion correct, and that's why some of you are sick. Because when we're with him, who was and is and is to come, when we commune within him, there's an incremental increase of healing within our bodies and in our mind there's an ability to forgive. And as we look at our destiny, our home, where we are going, that all things go to, we start to get ourselves in alignment with what's important within our week. And the stuff that happened that we're concerned and worried about, that's small cheese. Who cares about that? This is where we're headed. This is home. And the way home becomes clear. And our values begin to change and how we relate to one another begins to change. And we look around and it's not just the greeting time that we wish that we didn't have. We're greeting the person that in eternity is going to be there at the, at the Lamb's table of life. Saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is. John's invited to come up, come up and see, come up and see. Look down, look down, look down. All it is is this long. The one that is all that and all that is here with you in your season. Drink it in. Have a check on who you're sitting before right now. Sitting in a church? Or are you connected with timelessness, sitting with eternity? With all those that love the Lord. He's in command of all things, all seasons. He already is. So John sees this in his season as we begin to see it in our season. 
What else does he see? Come up, and I'll show you. What else does he see? He sees these strange animals. Um, a little bit funny to visualize for us to be shown, but they're these strange animals that we can't conceive of. And there's four of them, and they've got six wings, and they've got eyes everywhere, eyes everywhere. That's really, really weird. Eyes everywhere. And what is being symbolized here is that they see everything, yeah? They see everything. From where they are, way back here, with everything zoomed into here, they see everything. They see everything before anything's ever been created, any time space. They see it all, see it all. And they see everything after everything of time concludes and everything that's done there. They see it, they see it all. And they see everything in between. They see the molten rocks as the, earth, as the earth is formed. They see the generations one by one. They see the arrogant and proud civilizations rise up and say, we are the greatest ever, and soon they fade and they disappear. They see this social trend. They see this way that you should dress. They should this, see this priority you should have. They see circling the winds of change of how you must be to be accepted, what you must do. This is what you must, must be the significant. They see it all. They see the mums, they see the dads, they see the kids, and they, with eyes everywhere, even underneath the wings, they see you. They know you. And they know where you're at. And so how do they sum up all things? They see everything. How do they sum up how God is? They see God before anything. They see him after anything. They say you see him in, in everything. How do they sum up? What's the bottom line about how God is? All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their face before the throne. Of course they did. They, that's the only thing you can do. They worship saying, Amen. That's their summation. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Be to our God, amen. They say amen. What is this amen? Is that something you say when you want to finish your prayer and you want to alert the next person they can start? You know, what do you do? Uh, amen. <laughs> you know, when you're talking to your wife, you get to the end of a sentence and you say, amen, so she knows that so she can start. Is that right? I'm not allowed to say anything about my wife. <laughs> they say amen. And so this is in Hebrew. And the Hebrew amen, it travels all the way over into our English, like few Hebrew words travel all the way over. And they don't change it because there's nothing that's going to quite capture that, what amen is. So we say amen. For the Hebrew people, it's saying, yes, I'm in agreement. Yes, I'm in agreement. But the, but the root word of, uh, of amen in Hebrew is that which means faith. Faith. So amen is not only just agreement, but as, the, but as those living beasts that see everything in every season and every time, before all things, during all things, after all things, what do they say of God? They say amen, meaning that from beginning to end in every season, 
He is faithful. They see it all. And they sum it up. And they say, Amen. That's, I see it. I've watched him. I've seen how he's moved. On that person and that person and that season, that generation and that one and the other one. Faithful. Faithful, they say. And so you have this cry of heaven. The one who is in command of all things is faithful. And they say, holy, holy, holy. Let me translate that in my own way. Perfect, perfect, perfect. He's absolutely perfect, perfect, perfect. He is the Lord God in charge of all things, the Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's faithful, perfect, perfectly faithful. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's what they got. That's what they cry. Sometimes, indeed, it doesn't always seem like that. In the season where we're in, I know them, you know them. But John has been beckoned to come up and see with a new perspective by which he can take his, take his place and live out of where he is. I can remember the story of a, a couple that served the Lord of just in absolute abandonment. They went off as a couple of, couple of young people with joy and expectation and confidence in the name of Jesus in missionary service. And they went to an outback place where no one had ever been before and they gave themselves to missionary service trying to, trying to tell people about Jesus. And as the years passed and they got more and more frail without the diet that they were used to, the only thing that they could afford without support was to get on a boat and come back. And so there they were sitting in their cabin with their funny hair because all that they had to do was to they could do was have their, cut the hair of one another the best way that they could and they had these funny old clothes on from years and years and years ago that no one ever wore anymore and all of the thoughts about what they'd given themselves in the season that they were in and how much they'd given everything to Christ and his work and the grief of what hadn't happened because not one person had come to the Lord began to rise within them and they thought what a waste is this what waste and they came into port and they got, they got their old battered suit bag and they went and they stood out on the edge ready to, to line off the boat, feeling so depressed and discouraged. What for? Who's going to understand? At least there will be somebody there outside the dock to greet us in whose arms we can fall. And they didn't know it, but there, there was a dignitary on the boat and they all had to wait for him to get off. He was dressed in his lovely, beautiful beautiful suit but not before they rolled out the red carpet for him and the, and the band gathered around such was the auspicious occasion and all the people of note stand, stood down the end of the carpet ready to greet him and he went down stately way and they were held up until it was all finished they rolled the carpet up the band disappeared and all the greeters of him all evaporated and as they come down the gangplank looking funny depressed with their head hung down they looked around just, just for one friendly face and there was no one. And he's absolutely bereft, he's tired, he's given everything. Wonder what it's all worth for and he's going down the gangplank. He says, is, is this what it comes to? Is this all there is? 
He's angry, frustrated. This is what it is for us to come home. And the dear wife slips her hand into his and says, but honey, we're not home yet. This is not home. And where you are in your season, regardless of what you feel like or what, what you've been through or what Christmas is going to be for, be for you, you're not home yet, honey. You're not home yet, sir. Because there comes a time when you go home having received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior and you trust Him, that there's going to be a roar of Him. A roar of that which comes from before, during, and after all, all things. And that's when you come home. To the one who is the Lord God Almighty. Charge of all things. Time, space, charge of all things. Faithful to you. Faithful to you. Our musicians are going to come on the platform now because we're not finished. I don't like calling musicians anymore, Chi. It's got to be worship ministry. Come on. <laughs> Who wants to have a worship ministry, not a music ministry? Huh? Put your hand up here. Yeah? Yeah. We're not finished now. Because what we're going to do, we're going to sing the Revelation song again, yeah? All right, what we did before. And I want you to stand and sing this, but I don't want you to go stand singing it in church, right? I want you to be in church, but you stand before timelessness, because that's how God is. You can stand before the one that was even before creation and sing. You can stand before the one that's already culminated absolutely everything and sing. And in that presence... There is healing within you. Healing to come. There's healing for your mind. There's healing for your body. There's healing for the way that you're thinking. There's healing for your relationships. There's healing for you with how you remember things in the past. And there's the ability to grow within you to forgive those that need to be forgiven and move past the things where you've stopped. There will be within his presence as you open himself to him who is absolutely limitless. That which comes to you, which, which you need. So let's stand now before him. Let's stand. Juliet's going to lead us. And receive. Forget about the person next to you. Father in heaven, I pray that by your great spirit, your great spirit, You would come and you would meet so intimately and real with these that you gave the blood of your own son that you might have a relationship with them. And you know where we are, not everything that we should be, our raggedness, our flippancy and our foolishness. But Lord, would you come now as we stand before you, we ask in Jesus' name.